Everybody, it's Dr. Lisa from Radio Free Brooklyn with Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. I'm really excited today. I have three handsome men, oh my God, right in front of me. And um, we're going to talk about gentrification and how, uh, how we're all learning how to live together in a nice way and all that stuff. And I just want to give you, give you a radio, an ID. This is Bushwick Free Radio on the internet. Uh, it's the best station in the tri-state area, and we are sponsored by Paul Mitchell Hair Care. So if you have dirty hair and you want to watch it, you should use Paul Mitchell. Okay, thank you. So I'm going to introduce my three guests. I'm going to start on the left, on, uh, left to right, from my left to right, not theirs. Um, we have Harag. Harag? Rog, Rog, who I've known for like God knows how long I'm learning. Anyway, Rog. And Rog is the editor-in-chief of Hyperallergic. And anyone who's anyone, and not even anyone, just anyone in general who knows anything about art knows about Hyperallergic. It's a really prominent, um, I mean, enjoyable. It's a big deal. It's a big fucking deal to me. It's a big fucking deal kind of that you're here, Rag. I mean, when I asked you, when I invited you, I was like, I don't know if he's going to come, but he's here. And um, it's a great blog, and I'm going to read you the uh, strategy statement or whatever they stand for. Some, some, that's my background in advertising. Sorry. Someone I, oh, uh, where, oh my, where did, uh, it's a forum. Hyperallergic is a forum for playful, serious, and radical perspectives on art and culture in the world today. So I think that's well, well put. Rags uh, shaking his head and nodding in agreement. And then in the middle here, we have the lovely and talented Christopher Stout. Christopher Stout is the founder and the head of the Bushwick Art Crit Group, which is um, a really important uh, force in Bushwick. Uh, they meet once a month. And uh, Christopher is also a curator and curates a lot of shows, most recently... Uh, what was that? Uh, spring break, spring break, and we have this, this, this like troublemaker, uh, adorable troublemaker. He's wearing a famous in Bushwick hat. He's really cute. I want to be your mom. Do you have a mom? I have a wonderful mom. <laughs> Shit, you, they always do. Uh, so anyway, uh, Anthony, um, Anthony um, Rosada is an a, ro, what? I'm never going to get that. I can barely get Rag's Rag's name right. He's an African Latino who was born in Bushwick, and he is, um, I'm going to say, an artist activist about um, gentrification in a bigger sense of the word than I originally understood gentrification to be. So we are all going to learn here today. I want to. We're going to start with. talking about how uh, Christopher Stout came to meet Anthony. And Christopher and Anthony have never met uh, or never been, certainly never been on the radio with Harag Harag, uh, before. And I'm hoping that Anthony can and Harag together can bring the um, understanding of gentrification that Christopher and Anthony were able to bring to a bigger level of the art world. Did that make any sense? I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> we'll figure it out. They know. I already briefed them. I can't just, Jesus. Okay, let's get started. So anyway, um, and I'll also try and bring some, see if we can get some emotions going and then like comment on that. So it'll be a little bit like a, ba- ba- I'll be a baseball game monitor, mo- moderator. I have, lo- I have over 10 years of group therapy, so. Should we all check in now and, yeah. like, as a baseline of how we're feeling yeah. so you can kind of see Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. That's a great idea, Christopher. How are you feeling? I'm feeling excited um, and uh a little, a little um, 
I don't know, a little confused to see how it's going to evolve, but uh, but I'm excited. <laughs> oh, good, it's confusing. Okay. Uh, uh, my heart's racing. I'm keeping calm. I'm breathing because this is a very triggering topic. And um, oh. also, you know, the way that I approach the situation, it's interesting to be heard as a troublemaker. To be heard that that's like the way that a... Yeah. Uh-oh, he's taking me really seriously. I got to watch that. <laughs> Um, did that make you angry that I said no, that? No, it didn't make me. How angry. did it make you feel? Uh, it made me. It made me uncomfortable. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what what I'm about. That's why you guys are <laughs> here because you can handle it. Yeah. Okay. And Christopher, that was a great question. How are you feeling? Um, I felt a little triggered when she said lovely because I'm the only one sitting here that doesn't have long curly beautiful hair. <laughs> oh, you guys are really paying attention to me. Um, <laughs> But I also am feeling a little smug that I'm sitting in between the two of you. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. So we, we have the outward and inward kind of uh, uh, perspective here. I love to collaborate with so many different people, and I feel like every time I get to work with a different team, like there's a selfish part of me that just tries to give everything I can because I know I'm mm -hmm. going to get more out of it. And so it's like the fact that I'm I'm working with you again, mm -hmm. but like working with I'm working with you, but it's just you know. So and I'm, now I'm you're so, working I'm with uh, all right. That's how yeah. I feel. Yeah. So okay, so anyway, um, okay, let's get through this part briefly because I want to get into the real meat of the discussion. Um, mm -hmm. But can you, Anthony, just describe? A little bit of the letter, what you were feeling in the letter that you wrote, the open letter to the well, you 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 say, it. go on, you talk. So talk. the so the open letter is to the gentrifying, so the gentrifies and gentrifiers, which you posted on your blog, right? Which I posted on my website. Um, so this uh, is kind of like an an, an expression. Kind of like a ventilation place that I have. No, it's not. After. It's hot and stuffy in here. <laughs> Sorry, I just had. It is so it is hot, hot in here, here and we can't have here. the fan on because it makes noise. So Where? we are like fucking. We are sweating it out for you guys out there. We're not even naked. <laughs> but not yeah. now. Yeah. But you will be. Um, but this this letter that I wrote came as kind of like a ventilation for me. It was a way for me to wash myself after I had um, had a couple of online based interactions with Christopher. Um, oh yeah! After you, so, so this was this was like following, um, kind of like my online interaction with, and it wasn't really with Christopher to be honest. It was with the Bush, the idea of what Bushwick Art Crew Group was, right? Like this Facebook page of these people who I'd never met, but I knew like kind of like what they were doing because I could check their website and check their YouTube series and kind of like stay up to date on like. So you were following the Bushwick Art Crew Group online. Long before we actually interacted. Right, right. And you wrote this letter. You were feeling like... Um, like I just want to make it clear that the letter wasn't to Bush Regard Group. The letter itself that you're right. talking about yeah. is to the gentrified... Like, Businesses. two parts of the gentrified community, right? Like, the gentrifiers and the gentrifies. Exactly. It wasn't to Christopher personally, no, but you did... Not even to Bush Regard Group. It's to everyone. Right, right. But you used the theme line of the Bush Regard Group which Christopher wrote, which mm -hmm. is Bushwick is a movement. Yeah, yeah. And so, so that's... So that was a reaction specifically to that? Yeah, uh, specifically to that and that I saw, you know, the word Bushwick within the organizational name of um, an organization that I, for myself, had not seen interact with the Native community nor uh, exclusively invite the Native community any anywhere outside of uh, Instagram or Facebook or anything that... So so kind of like so anyway, uh, Christopher picked up on that, and you got in touch with. It was impossible not to pick up on. No, okay, yeah. <laughs> so you guys, so you you guys got in touch. I'm trying to like get through this part so yeah, that we can sure. get Do you get want me to help. Yeah, yeah. You go okay. ahead. So Christopher, so I mean, I mean, I know from writing online when you read something like that, you clearly you knew Anthony. How did it hit you? Do you know, like, how did it, what was your reaction when you read that first? That's an awesome question, because that's a your question with a, with a fact question. Um, I was hurt, angry, angry was the big one, hurt and horrified, because um, where I was coming from is I am a visual artist that decided about three years ago to start what I considered an experiment, which was a lecture group. Right. And I was feeling very lonely, and I just wanted to find ways to interact with my what I would call my community. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like 
all this time later, it's kind of grown slowly and organically and included more things and more people. Um, but just to be frank, you know, like all the time and all of the money and all has either been like project managed mm -hmm. or self-funded or self this or through mm -hmm. other people, like whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it is, it was fr frankly the very first time that anything that has ever come out with our organization hasn't been like people standing Applauded, on the chairs and right. clapping. Yeah, right. Because, I can understand that. You know, like yeah. everything that we've ever done has been very overtly about like, how can we help you? Right. Because right. that's the spirit a of your organization. Or exhibition or whatever. Um, so and, in some ways it was sort of a maturation for the group too. Well, it was, but it was also this sort of, you know, it wasn't, if it had been like a one in one one conversation, that might've been a different thing. But there's this crazy thing about social media is that like once something happens, you know, and people were taking screenshots and just reposting it with all the whatever. And so all of these words, which were, you know, like right. very powerful words, mm -hmm. were just truth. And there were all of these people that mm -hmm. had no idea who we were, what we'd right. done, what our record was. Mm -hmm. And there were these words and some of them had very big racial overtones and social economic tones mm -hmm. and all these things. And mm -hmm. so it was the... Like, I was feeling, like, angry and horrified that there's all of yeah. these people... Your feelings were hurt. ...looking at us and ascribing this set of values to us without mm -hmm. any actual without understanding of who we are. So it's were clear It's clear done. there was, like, you guys were making assumptions. Can I say that? Sure. That you guys are making assumptions about each other's groups. I wasn't making an assumption about Bushwick Art Group Group. I was more so, I in my mind's eye, stating fact to what I saw. Stating fact to the fact that at every lecture series, 95 to 99% of the crowd is white. Mm -hmm. And in a Bushwick that has the history that it has, for an organization to be standing for two years that has Bushwick in its name and says Bushwick is a movement, and mm -hmm. for there not to be a community of people of color that are not only in that audience but also benefiting from, you know, those mm -hmm. reparations, so to speak. Right, right. I found it a bit right. problematic. And that mm -hmm. the Native Bushwick community, of course, was not a part of that process. Right. So, Christopher, you reached out to Anthony, and I want to hear a little bit about what happened when you guys met and how you guys have evolved into the relationship you have today. Right. And what you learned from each other. It was really chill. It was really, really nice. It was yeah, organic. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, and we had a conversation. Like, we had a semi-heated online discussion first. Mm -hmm. But I also said from the beginning, like... You know, this isn't a gallery. This isn't all these things. Mm -hmm. Like, this is an idea. This is exactly where these kinds mm -hmm. of things have to be mm -hmm. discussed. Mm -hmm. So, if we're getting together, it is specifically with to understand how and how where we would work together. Mm -hmm. But I mean, an art criticism group. Where else would you talk about this kind of thing? But but did you? I want to say something. What? Sorry, mm -hmm. I want to say that like um, through the post kind of like online interactions that we had, and from that first meeting that we had in person on. I would definitely say that I've learned a lot about myself in the ways that I communicate as a revolutionary. I would say that, like, um, I'm glad that I did as that. As a self-proclaimed revolutionary. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I am. Um, my body is a revolution completely, but that's another so story. So is mine, but uh, it's yeah, not necessarily yes, a good thing. Good, I think it's a good thing. <laughs> all right, all right. I think it's a very good enough, thing. Enough, enough. Um, so going back to that, what I wanted to say was just that I learned, like, a lot from you in terms of how to communicate and make bridges completely with love instead of just saying it's with love and then having certain parts of it that don't come across as being, you know, having love. Just like you said in the beginning um, that when people post things, those things just become true because other people sure. repost it. That's not something that I want. Although what I said is something that I hold fact to, I don't want your organization to be misconstrued or looked at negatively just I because of that. Like, it should, I appreciate that. And I hear yeah. what you're saying. But that being said, like, I I don't have any sort of like, oh, I wish this had started differently. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Or whatever. Like, but, we didn't know each other. Yeah, but, 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 Christopher, you didn't understand how there was a community that Anthony had and that what we all think that we're new artists in Bushwick, that we're just, and, and, and Hrag said that you actually lived here from when? Yeah, four blocks from here. And when? I lived here 2000 to 2008. Yeah, I just found that out. So yeah. you must have, like, your, you, you've been here, you've been here when, like, 
shit was going down. Was it dangerous? Sure. Did it feel dangerous? Um, you know, I mean, in retrospect, it probably felt more dangerous than I thought it was. When you live here, you know, when you live here, it's different. Like, it's sort of like, it's sort of every day, so you don't really think of it. But you go back, you go, well, actually, there was a crack house at the corner. Oh, Do you know? Yeah. And it's like, and you're like, and there were people doing drugs under your stoop and all these, and you're like, oh yeah, right, it was kind of, kind of dangerous, you know? But you were like <laughs> busy enjoying, and you were, you were like, ah, oh, this is my life. Huh, whatever, yeah, exactly. right? No do. judgments here. I live in the West Village. There are people doing drugs under my stoop all the time. It's just okay because yeah. they're blonde. Because, and I'm glad you mentioned that for you, it must have been more dangerous because, to be honest, like this community, as you said, uh, you just said, um, Lisa, that. Um, that that the artists that come and think that they're you know the new artists as if like art is kind of like now here post gentrification like art is yeah. here now we're starting now now we can start now okay we, can start, we right? white artists are here now we can start oh but what I yeah but what I wanted to say uh, in light of that was um, with this idea of like a community like seeming dangerous or so um, that's definitely in large part because the community is predominantly brown and when a community becomes white that's when it becomes good in terms of how it's documented. So I just want to make that large so, point. Like because from 2000 on is when this community was seen as starting to have been turning into something that was better. Although prior to and during, the community that, that did live here and built this up from nothing, from ashes literally, ashes and crack needles literally. Um, also, let's think about where the crack needles came from, just to take a side note. But uh, let's know where crack they came addicts. from. Crack addicts. Right. No, well, they didn't come from crack addicts. Let's look at the Reagan era and be really, really real about that. Oh, fact. okay. Let's look at the Reagan era and be hey, really Hey, listen, really I real. lived in the East Village. Word, and I'm telling you nothing against I know, that. I know my crack addicts. Okay, word. And I know the Reagan era and Reaganomics and how that all infiltrated the prison industrial complex and how that affects what has happened in my community and how once that community gets more wider, it gets seen as something that is better. And that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Um, I, uh, just to shorthand this, I had a nice chat with Anthony on the phone yesterday, and Anthony actually has a bigger picture about gen gentrification in, like, he uses the word colonialism. Yeah, colonialism. And yeah. Um, so he actually views that, you know, he takes it all the way back from the beginning of American history. America was built by white guys uh, like Christopher Columbus, and I see your hand up, Christopher Stout, and I'll get to you in a second. I'm trying to move this along. Because sure. my listeners, man, they've got ADD. <laughs> and um, so anyway, so I think Anthony, thinking of gentrification, when he talks about gentrification, he means um, that the white, 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 what do you say, white normalcy? Yeah, white, yeah. White I history. Make it very clear that we talked yesterday that I do not have animosity toward white people. I have actually had most of my relationships in my life have been with white folk. Uh, my best friends uh -huh. in high school were all Well, that's white. good, because uh, I'm a I white person, and I, yeah, no, no, I, I like you. Clear, and it's I'm not okay like with my friend that. is black, like I'm, I'm a racist thing, but okay. it's a very real kind of like. Okay, okay, cool. Christopher, what were you going to say? Oh, I just wanted to jump back to conversations, because it, it like dawned on me, like you were very kind to, I'm going to use the word apology and talk about like the way we got to know each other and your first interactions, but I think I owe you the same apology, and so... I was talking about how, you know, like I was feeling angry when we first got together and I was talking about all the stuff mm -hmm. we've done. Yeah. But your point was like how I approached this wasn't maybe what I wished it was. And so that was the big thing I learned about it in terms of our organization, mm -hmm. how our organization approached the neighborhood. Mm -hmm wasn't as sensitive as it could have been. Or as big as it could have been. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. So what I was hoping to do today is get a lively, direct discussion um, and have Anthony talk about his feelings about the art world, about us white people in the art world, mm -hmm. how he views the art world, and then maybe you and Hrag... 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 I know, I know, I know. It's me. It's me being neurotic. <laughs> it's just me being neurotic. Um... So I want to see um, where, how we can take what happened in Bushwick and see where it goes. And I have no idea where it's going to go on a bigger level because a lot of people, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I think the art world is white and I think it's white male. And I'm not the only person that says that. I don't give a shit. Per well, I give a shit, but I, <laughs> I just focus on my own crap. You know what I mean? I always have... I'm not looking to sell my paintings, though I'd love to, for, you know, a billion dollars, whatever. So I accept it. I try not to let it get in my way. I've always been like that, you know, throughout my life. 
Okay. So. But can we, can I just sort of point out, it's like, mm-hmm. I, something I like to sort of point out, it's like, we use the word art world as a monolith, but it's really art worlds. It's mm-hmm. like many art worlds, Thank you know, you and I think that. we need to acknowledge that, that, and I think that's part of the, part of the first step, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people are part of this sort of like art world that they like to think represents the art world, but it's really just one of many. Mm-hmm. So what do, you, what do you think? I mean, like, I guess what I'm saying is that I think that when I say art world, I think that I'm talking about, like, the auctions, art fairs. Sure. So you're talking about the economics. Oh, but then, uh, like, for instance, in, in, in Crown Heights, there's a Hasidic art gallery. They're mm-hmm. not considered part of the art world, but they're a functioning art gallery that shows a whole different group of artists and sells to obvious clients. Do you know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like, so even when we're talking about Brooklyn, we're talking about art worlds. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Right, right, so, of yeah. course, of course. But I think that in the, in, in gen, when people generally generalize mm-hmm. about the art world, I think they're talking about economics, but I think they're also talking about what we all, I'm just going to say this, um, like a privileged class, a privilege, the 1%. That seems inaccessible. I mean, that's what, I'm not, you know, th- there's that complaint it's, or whatever, that generalization that's typical, right? Okay. But I will say that that's, like, not my art world. Do you mm-hmm. know? Like, the, mm-hmm. as, as much as I'm sort of involved in the art world and becoming more part of the institutions, but that's not my, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, so that's why I, I would sort of shy away from that because I think, I think even people part of that art world have very, like, strict boundaries about what are, is and isn't part of it. And yeah. that's part of the problem, you know? And I think that's part of this where it's sort of like, you know, there's automatic things sometimes that people feel unwelcome, even if it's not said. Because because there is this assumption that there are boundaries mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. things, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, for instance, I don't I know lots of street artists that don't feel comfortable in a, in a traditional contemporary art gallery mm-hmm. because they don't feel welcome. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And they don't feel welcome into that space. And it's not like there's a sign saying that, but it's sort of <laughs> telegraphed, you know? And it's like, and I right. think people get it. You know, there's right. certain things that people kind of omit, right. you know, and, and, uh, and that's part of it. So right. I just wanted to throw that in there. No, I think that's everything. really, I think that's really important because um, I don't think that I'm, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think I'm, I think a, me, I think a lot of people, I think it's hard to make those distinctions. I think a lot of people don't understand them but what can explain what you see as your art world then Greg. so for me for me the art world are people that are sort of really interested in working with local communities and like talking about issues that are impacting people's everyday lives and talking about aesthetics but without like ripping politics out of it mm-hmm. so it becomes purely a market driven asset mm-hmm. Do you know so that's the art world that i feel closest to Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not it's it's and then there are a lot of people in all walks of life that are like interested in that. But the, we don't have, you know, the MoMA, you know, championing, you know, <laughs> what we do necessarily, though. Right. Obviously, there are individual curators and groups and things like that that are really sort of trying to, you know, bring it up. But it's always sort of like conformed. You know? Right. So what's your sense of being included or not being included? Like, like, do do you get invited to things at MoMA? I do get invited things to MoMA. And absolutely. do you go? Do you feel included? Some, it depends on the topic, you know, but it does, it's not, you know, but I don't go to auctions, for instance. Right. Do you right. know that's not my world? I don't go sit there and look, you know, I'd like to maybe one day like, <laughs> just see how what it's like because I never go, you know, but um, that's an example of, right. of, of, of sort of the experience. So I do get invited to certain things, but there's also this stipulation that, you know, that um, that if you invite me, you probably know what you're getting. You know. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. That's yeah. You, you know, don't so right. You different. are going to be who you are. Yep. So um, let's talk about inclusion and not inclusion. Yeah, and I want to jump right back to where uh, we left off, which was um, a statement about white people in art. And I want to make it very clear that I do not have animosity towards white people. Yeah, we've said that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I want to I want to make it clear that I have animosity toward whiteness as a fabrication of normalcy in this country. That's right. what you don't like. That's what I don't like. I don't like that. I don't like how it influences white privilege and white supremacy. And those things make me really uncomfortable. Yeah, that sucks. I think that's really fucked up, don't you guys? Oh, absolutely. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, white, whiteness it's is a manufactured thing, That affects right? all of us, and that's the bit that I'm trying to make clear. Like, uh, it affects all of us. Just like gentrification doesn't just affect the Native community. No. It also affects the community that's being gentrified because they're being just as tricked, being just as swindled. You know what I mean? And that erasure of my community is at the cost of, like, 
people being fooled into thinking that it won't happen to them too. Well, I, I think we're all in. I think we're all in agreement on Gosh. that. That's not what. <laughs> what you're a white guy. No, I'm just. What? No, Did then, he pinch but, you? Is that what happened? I'm not. Well, I'm feeling pitched, but not for what. Anthony not didn't pinch I'm you. White, but because I'm an art community, I'm, I'm, I'm an art community leader, and uh-huh. so what he's talking about is this actual mystery that is not being solved readily in Bushwick, but wasn't solved readily in Williamsburg, and wasn't solved readily in Soho, and wasn't solved. And what, readily what in is that? Side. And that matters. It wasn't. So when he's talking about the community that gets diluted and doesn't understand, I mean, there is a. 60, 70 year history of artists moving into neighborhoods because it's the one that they can afford mm-hmm. and creating something. And then almost as fast as they create it, being eradicated and By the cyclical professionals, thing, and professionals yeah. who then become, mm-hmm. you know, so Soho today is Chanel and, you know, mm-hmm. like Chelsea is mm-hmm. a gallery district and, you know, Look Williamsburg yeah. is condominiums and blah, blah, blah. So, like, he literally just called out, like, the, you know, not just the handicap that he feels, but the handicap we all feel, yeah. you know. Like right. Everyone always right. feels like their moment and their days yeah. are numbered. And I feel like the main issue that is that um, the way that a community is gentrified is inevitably exclusive. And so that kind of acts as um, a wall between the community and that community's ability to, say, gather for the sake of refuting and rebelling against you know buyouts or mm-hmm. you know tax breaks mm-hmm. for these luxury condos mm-hmm. or you know community members mm-hmm. gathering at the space of this one woman who's lived there her entire life and like now she can't afford rent and she's been evicted twice and terrorized you know in ways that like we can't even imagine like your boy right. being stripped right. or some shit right. just happening like right. if we could right. really unite in that fashion then shit would change but no it's probably going to come a gallery district and I'm probably going to want not want to raise my kids here even though this is the only home I have cuz I'm New Yorkian right I'm not Puerto right. Rican, I'm New Yorkian. Right, right, right. My no, I get it. You know I, I mean? get it. I totally know what you mean. Now, that's a continual, that's a continuing uh, um, evolution. That's always a problem. Mm-hmm. So uh, what can we do about that? Um, but I'm also wondering, you know, Rag, it's interesting what you're saying about the the like the one percent like i'm going to call that the one percent art Mm -hmm. world right so and that they are they do you think that they're not aware or they're not involved with what anthony was just christopher was just talking what we're talking about which is that cycle of artists move in and then Things get right. But they benefit from it. Yeah, they benefit you know, so from not, it. It's so they're very aware of it. They're very aware of it. So aware of it. Aware of it. So I think that I think they're aware of it in terms of because um, you know, especially if you're in that art world for a while, you know that these cycles impact the kind of art being made and what's what the market's like and where artists are living. All these all these factors factor into your math, you know? Right. And so right. I think it definitely plays in, but we're talking about um, and I and I think it, I think it is sort of healthy, maybe not to talk about them, you know, because it's not part of the conversation. Well, I don't think no, I don't think it's I I, I think it's it's a whole different topic. Maybe. Yeah, that's you that's know? yeah. And, and I'm I beginning to, to think that I would hate to represent that viewpoint, like because we don't know what they're you know what I mean. They're still individuals. I don't want to make them a monolith either, because there are some people that are very like supportive of what right, people are doing right. on a grassroots level. Right. So I think there's no benefit from the us and them. Right, and that's that. why I invited yeah. you here because. I wanted to understand that and have that put, put put out there in a very direct way, in a way that we all know that's, you know. Well, it wouldn't be Dr. Lisa if it wasn't a comfortable, a, a, a topic that was a little uncomfortable that we're all trying to figure out. So Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's I mean, good. yeah, yeah. That's I'm going to just gossip about the white, the, num- the white artists and just tell you exactly what I think of them, what their emotional <laughs> problems are. Right. So, okay, what? You get 1% money. You get 1% money. No, I mean, we all, you know what the, you know what that that group of the art world does do for all of us is to make art, (laughs) what? Shut up. (laughs) Raise your hand if you want to speak. Oh, that's the beginning of it. How do you feel right now? Spanked. How do you feel right now? How do I feel right now? (laughs) 
Oh, Jesus. I'm trying to like, stay. this is what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to stay in the moment so that I don't worry about whether I'm doing my job or not, or if everybody's having a good time, or yeah, if they're going to melt. I feel great. Do you? Yeah. Do you? I feel much yeah. Are you guys okay? Do you like me? That's all I really want to know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's vote. Do we like Dr. Lisa? Yes. Yes. Do you think I'm doing okay. an okay job? I need the reinforcement <laughs> so bad. I like I need... you, but I want to be bribed. <laughs> I have nothing to bribe you. you. I don't love. have anything you want. You can buy my love. No okay, okay. I don't have any money to buy anybody's stuff here. <laughs> but I could offer you a glass of water when you get out. Yeah, right. All right. So anyway, um, no, I think, Craig, that was a really excellent point of like, yeah. But what, what I did want to say is, you know, we got to thank those guys with the big ticket art world items and all that other stuff because they're reflecting, they make art more popular for everybody look how celebrity and art are really coming together on that level I right i would actually say that they're grafting off what the art community other people in the art community have already done really yeah, do you know yeah. I don't can you think, explain yeah. that I don't, I think, shut I think, up i think, Sorry, I, think just, I think they're i mean there's a reason why brands and companies love the art world right now mm -hmm. it's like they want a little bit of that magic that people associate with the art world you know mm -hmm. and it's like in the art worlds you know and so so it's like yes okay they're buying a painting for 150 million dollars but really they're buying into a club oh, uh, okay. at a certain at a certain point that is already cool they didn't make it cool do you know what I mean? And it's and I think there I think that's part of it. And I think and I and I think that clubbiness unfortunately is part of like as a creative person that's a little bit of what we do. You know, like I mean, sometimes it's, you know, changing the world and the aesthetics of the world is about creating something different from what already exists, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that isn't the most populous thing in the world and we have to like sort of deal with the politics of that, you know, in our right. own communities, you know? So um, I mean, just think of it. I mean, we're in Bushwick. This was one of the places where graffiti was invented, really, as yeah. a real form. Yeah. But, you know, there's still a lot of animosity towards it in our own community. Yeah. And never mind, even in, the, like, even, even in the Bushwick art community, mm -hmm. there's animosity towards really? it. Really? Sure, oh, absolutely. 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 How did I miss that? It's everywhere. Well, it's there's also everywhere. a big bit between graffiti artists and street artists. And that, like, too. Those two things absolutely. Oh. in and of itself. What you're talking about is, like, predominantly native and of course I'm not going to give no names but predominantly native Bushwick and bed artists who are not about a lot of the murals that are popping up that's right a lot of the murals that are popping up are I mean are really not okay and not okay not okay not necessarily in the sense of what is being depicted in the content but not okay within the fact that why are there predominantly European and if they are American predominantly white and if they are of color not native to right. even New so York, you, you know, like why are they taking up all the space so on these you, walls? So you, what is what example is that giving for the future of the Bushwick youth? Well, what the about youth, hey, watch that. Youth. That's not good for the recording. I'm oh, sorry, I'm playing. <laughs> you know what? You are a troublemaker. I, I'm not I, a troublemaker, I, honey. I'm passionate. This is my life. This is. I'm, are I'm you sure? You, you sure you like your mother? You I'm don't want like a new mother. mother. Is, look, with the thing is, my mother had only her five I want to pet your head. You are so. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I being condescending? You're not being condescending. I just want to make it clear. My mother had her five kids and. We moved around a lot and that was her stability me now that i graduated and i can afford because i have a degree that says that i can pay yes. a certain amount to live here now that i live here bushwick is all i have it's literally all i have in terms of feeling connected to my culture which is very important to me yes obviously you're a passionate so guy that's where the passion comes from you know why he's so passionate he's a dancer and he has all this physical energy and his emotions and his physicality are very connected that's what i think I just want to call out that there are a lot of artists that have studios or live in Bushwick that would say have a different backstory, mm -hmm. but the exact same thing would ring 100% true. Mm -hmm. This is my community and this mm -hmm. is all mm -hmm. I have. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and feel just as much of like love and authenticity around the neighborhood, even though that they're not born here. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. Right. So let's talk about let's talk about snobbery because that's always that's like. A really hot topic. Maybe we'll get some feelings going. How do you guys feel about that? Um, no, but I mean, what what I keep feeling like it's really funny because, you know, my my foray into the art world was when I had a job in the corporate world, and I would go to the openings like at pierogi and stand in the corner by myself, thinking that everybody was so cool and having a great time. So that's mm -hmm. how I started out. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm okay because I like you know I'm like. You know, I like that role where no one likes me and I can just sit in the corner and, like, look at everybody who's ignored, pretend they're all ignoring me, whatever. I'm, you know, 
that's my Mishagas. I've been in whatever. I'm working on that. That's my work. But the thing is, so we're talking about, um, you know, we're talking about specific, we're talking about exclusion that you're feeling excluded, that you were feeling, Anthony, excluded from the Bushwick Art Crick group, which, you know, I, and then, Rag, you say that people feel excluded from other art groups. And I, I want to understand more about that feeling of exclusion and how to, yeah. and like what we can do about it if we should do anything about it. Where, what is, that's a spirit. Let me, let me give you an example of that. Because I think, I think it's one of those things that people, say, sorry, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm so sorry <laughs> to cut you off. No worries. I, mm-hmm. I didn't feel excluded from Bushwick Art Group. That's not where I was yes, coming from. Did. I didn't personally. I don't feel that way anymore. But I don't feel that any way. I felt that, okay, so it's, the thing is I feel like saying it that, like that makes it about me. That's not what it's about. It's not about me feeling excluded because, to be honest, I can come up and I can pass for hipster and I can be in that space and feel comfortable. Yeah, you could. Right. No, I know. I know. I know. I'm really sorry for cutting. No, no. Okay, no. That's a that's a that's a subtle point, but well well taken. What what I was trying to say in terms of like groups and not feeling. I mean, some of it is because we have to also accept the fact that we don't have the same history sometimes. You know, and so like for instance, if you're creating work and you're talking, let's say, to the uh, Bushwick Art Crit Group. You know, you may, somebody may not be familiar with the history that I'm citing in my work and talking about. Do you know? And so mm-hmm. that can feel alienating for any artist. Mm-hmm. If I were to talk about, I, I use the issue of street artists and graffiti artists a lot because I think it's a very stark example of the art world of a community that is both accepted but not accepted. And like, for instance, if I walked in and I said, well, you know, the revs, the revs pieces in the subways of the, tu- the tunnels of New York from the 90s were really important for me. You know, that's a very small community probably in this quote-unquote art world Mm -hmm. that would actually know what those even were. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that's a very simple, and that's actually just underneath us here. We're talking about the L train. So this is a way of like sometimes those, excluding those histories, the fact that they're not being taught in school, they're not being understood, they're not being discussed, can automatically make people feel excluded. Do you know uh-huh. from from a discussion sometimes? Uh-huh. So I think that's really important. Yeah, I think that is, and I think that's what I learned from speaking with Anthony on the phone yesterday. That's what that's the kind of thing he's talking about. Mm-hmm. History, the history, yep. the way history is taught is really important. So you think that like the way art history, like oh, it's awful. The way art history is taught is awful. Thank you, girl. Why it's awful? <laughs> Let me tell you, Columbia University, supposedly one of the best art history departments. I know somebody doing their PhD in Iraq modernism. They couldn't find someone to supervisor. Yep. Do you know, like, I mean, you know, like this is, I mean, we're talking about something that should in this day and age not be Mm -hmm. an issue, but we're talking about whole parts of art history that are Mm -hmm. still being excluded. I majored in art history and wanted to do a focus in Caribbean art. And it was like I was laughed at with, it was amazing. It was really amazing. And then today I was at, I mean, a couple of months ago, I was at actually a meeting at MoMA and they were talking about the future of the museum and they were citing Anticlonia's thought from the Caribbean. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And this is, and that's the community, you know, and it's like, it's, so we're robbing ourselves of this history Mm -hmm. that we can't somehow use to like connect. And I think it is partly like, why are the white artists in Bushwick not connecting with the, with the community that's been here for ages? Because frankly, they don't have the touchstones. They don't know the references. Mm. There isn't a common language Mm -hmm. that's being sort of, you know, what's the common language? Hip hop, maybe? Like, that's Mm -hmm. it, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, and for someone like me who doesn't even care much about hip hop, like, I mean, I'm like, okay, but you know, like, but we're not learning that history. We're not learning, you know, who are the important Puerto Rican writers in America? Who are the important this and that? That, that there could be a common dialogue. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And I think that's part of it. I think that is part of the problem we're facing. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, we're talking on a small level. I mean, clearly this is a much bigger issue. I mean, the word neocolonialism was brought up. I mean, that's a huge different issue that we're just like a small microcosm of. Right, right. So art is just one part of the whole picture of what it means to be in America and learn about America and be taught history. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and I would even say, I, I hate the word America just yes, because because it's, you know, America is not the, just the United States. So we should be careful about that. This is the United States. Right, right. The you know? Americas. It's not yeah. North America. Yeah. It's just no, the United States. It's just yeah. the United States. And I think this is, I know I know some people kind of consider that like a very, but like for instance on hyperallergic or try to avoid 
avoid the use of the word America to uh. represent only the United States. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can't be avoided because people put it in work or mm-hmm. like something. But it's like that's, for mm-hmm. instance, you a language are... thing, mm-hmm. you know, to like understand that that is, you know, it's not just one thing. So in a way, I mean, this whole issue comes back to this one, this one word comes to mind that I think it's so common is ignorance. It's it's like when people don't understand other people, it usually has to do with ignorance, right? right. And that's not necessarily inherently a negative thing. It's, I think it's both negative and positive. Ignorance is just um, a yeah. way to describe not knowing something. Not not not. It doesn't show lack of interest. It doesn't show any of that. Proud ignorance should be feared. Proud ignorance. Proud ignorance is a problem. You know, I'm t- <laughs> that I, can I, t- I do have to say one thing. Maybe you guys can respond to this. Um, when I first moved here, you know, I lived in, you know, I'm really old, and I lived in the East Village. Um, I moved there. I moved there in 1978 when I was three. No. <laughs> um, um, uh, anyway, as an adult, as a, uh, yeah, as a, uh, as a full adult, and, uh, Anyway, I moved there in those days, and um, what I thought was really interesting was like the um, the the world there was very integrated. Like you would go to a bar or a restaurant, and there would be like all sorts of people, and there would be dangerous people. Mm-hmm. There would be people who like weren't people that you would want to be in somebody's house with, and. Um, that was part of the feeling that was a little anxiety, but it also gave you this feeling of um, a bigger, a bigger picture, a bigger that there's a bigger world and it's not all nicey nice. When I moved to Bushwick, I have to say, one of the things that I found here was how isolated you know the kids are the kids the artists there are no dangerous people like I went to the Bushwick Country Club thinking it was going to be an edgy place and it was like all kids who looked like they went to college together and I was really surprised by that you know how are you feeling Christopher you're looking at me seriously well you're just talking about a segment of you know, like I tend to hang out with people who it's like we all have had have to have read something to come together. And so when you're like you're hanging out, I'm like, ooh, what's that about? You know, like I, I don't I don't hang out a lot. So so is it just that we're people that we're just interested in people like us? Is that human nature? I'm confused, what? Um, by we or who's, who's I'm not we? sure. Who's, who's we? yeah, what what are you? I mean Bushwick still sure. is seventy eight percent Latino, right? It depends where the boundaries of Bushwick are, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about how we can integrate. Jesus, that made no sense. That made no sense. I said a whole thing, and I didn't make any sense. What? Uh, Isn't it hot in here? It's so freaking hot. I'm not hot. (laughs) You are very hot. (laughs) You're very hot. It's really freaking hot. Um, Okay, uh, so... The thing is, okay, so let's talk let's talk what we can do. What can we do to bring I people like together? You, you, I feel like you were actually on onto something and I oh, really call out. See like, the way you were looking at me we made had me our really Bushwick our native Bushwick crit, mm-hmm. you know, everybody on stage not everybody, but most everybody on stage was Latin American or African American, mm-hmm. one exception, and me, two exceptions. Um, and the audience was would you like sixty percent? Wait, in terms of who was thirty percent white, forty percent white? Wait, the audience? Yeah, audience was like eighty percent white girl. Really? Yeah, yeah, I know. So we threw that whole big thing, and still only white people I showed mean, up. But that's the community. I mean, but that's predominantly the community that needs to that it needs. That's to your that. audience. Yeah, but one yeah. one event isn't going to change anything. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's going to plant a seed. Yeah, exactly. It will plant a seed. Absolutely, and it signals something different, but it's not going to change. Right. Anything. So yeah, is your is your bigger question like how do people sort of integrate? Yeah, like how can we how can we make I, yeah. I guess what I was saying like I was reminiscing about the East Village and you did get a sense that the world was bigger than the East Village. So how do we get people here interested in a bigger in in a bigger world of artists and a, and how to yeah, how do we get how do we bring the goddamn people together? You have to offer them something that everybody wants and make everyone feel like they can all get it there and be comfortable. You have to access the public spaces. 
you have to know which time of year is best, like summer or spring. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think, and I think uh, the whole idea of integration and sort of assimilating people that way is part of the problem, I think, sometimes. Like, I think it's, I think it's like as if like being part of this bigger community is the only way a community can succeed or somehow like the, that integration is an imp like it's like I think there's an element of like some communities just want to be left alone to like be able to do their own thing and like be successful regardless and I think that's mm -hmm. part of it it's like we're always trying to like integrate as if like that's the only solution for a community to somehow like improve themselves. So are you, you know? saying like, are I you mean, saying that's a good solution at, at to some extent because you get a large body of people who are just going to have way more control of the situation to be able to change something. Because imagine if you even just got, uh, in terms of like, you know, a movement happening, an integration happening, in terms of the folk who are not native to the community. Imagine if you got some folks who were blueprinting new buildings. And even something as simple as blueprinting a building to make it look like it, it's a part of the community is a big change. Mm -hmm. Especially if you look at places like Colony 1209 on Bushwick, and blueprinting uh, a building to, to, what does that mean that means that designing a building in terms of like being an architect I'm, there are many layers to this so i'm just picking apart one layer we can't redo all the buildings that's not going to happen do all the buildings i'm saying that there are future plans and then when you look at these plans be considerate is what i'm saying yeah yeah be well but it's it a bigger like conscious community and not like it could fit on 23rd and 4th it's a bigger it's a bigger consciousness but right back to what you were saying because i thought that was an interesting point like do do communities kind of want to be integrated i mean i like my white art friends you know what i'm saying like we all we're all the same i'm just like them we all like the same music and shit like that Yes, yes, Christopher. Oh, I just want to follow up, and I guess what's curious for me is we have done so many different, uh, well, I was going to call them segmented artist discussions for different reasons. Um, so when we have, we've done three different feminist panels, and we did the big um, discussion where the Gorilla Girls were the mm -hmm. moderators. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, at every single one of them, I was one of one or two men mm -hmm. that were in the audience, and the entire room was an all-girl band. Mm -hmm. And we've, we've done queer discussions where all of the artists were either trans or um, lesbian mm -hmm. or, or queer, mm -hmm. and and that, it was the same thing. It was just like a wash of the rainbow. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm surprised that it was mostly a white, my expectation was that when we did Native, that the whole room would go brown. Really? Yeah, just because, I mean, the, when we do feminist, it's all girl. When we um. do queer, it's all queer. When we do, like, so usually our topic dictates our audience. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm surprised that, like, it was all white people listening. listening. Like, I would have expected... Yeah, the brown folk that were in the room. More integration. So why why is that, Anthony? I mean, does it? What do you think? Is it just that there are? What do we have to do to make you like us? <laughs> <laughs> or do you, you um, know? Wait, what? So well, what did you say? Yeah, I mean, do do I mean do do our art communities over you know intersect enough? Do they naturally intersect enough? What do our communities? Do you mean the native and the non-native? Yeah, communities? yeah. Or do um, they want to be? Do intersect. What? They do intersect. Well, do they want... But, I mean, it seems like if they are going to intersect, it's going to take people from your your community to say, I mean, hey, that's let's... that's how it happens, right? That's basic, like, Frarian concept. The oppressor... The oppressee has to free the oppressor and the oppressed from the, the point of oppression within any, within any context. So, yeah, I mean... Um, I think that there, but there are also there are also really dope folk that are not native to the community that are doing some really great work and that see the value in collaborating with native artists and native community members and why the voices of native community community members mm -hmm. are super important. Right. You know, so it's kind of like it's kind of like it's getting done. It's happening at, at slow paces, and we just need to keep doing things like this. Because I, I mean, you said that hyperallergic, like anyone should. You know, if you know art, then you know it. I didn't even know it before today. It's really nice to meet Crazy. you. I'd love to learn awesome. more about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. So these bridges that are happening. Well, that's how it starts. Have, they might not get built in the best of fashions, but they can end up being really beautiful and beneficial, I feel like, like this relationship. Well, art's so. all evolving, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. uh, hopefully artists are, you know, at, at the core of it in a certain way because we guys are supposed to be the ones open-minded looking for new things and wanting to evolve. Mm. Right. Do you have any good examples of a communities that have really sort of integrated themselves into each other? And, and do you, can you think of any? Because you have a well, I mean, in 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 New York, like recent. 
Anywhere, examples? you know, Detroit, New York, anywhere. That, I mean, you know, you have a broad. Well, you I know think a in lot. Miami, for instance, I think the the Latino community has done uh, is probably plays a much more pivotal role in the art communities of of Miami. Yeah. Do you know? And I think one, it's just a demographic issue, but also it comes from a community that really one has the resources to start now asserting their power and vision onto a city, and mm -hmm. like being able to like you know, impose that on other, you know, like on a community and sort of like, you know, bring out their values. And I think slowly we're seeing even African-American community, you know, sort of like playing more of a role, I think even more so than the Latino community, because I think in terms of generations, like in terms of integrate integrating and creating like a, a substantial mm -hmm. art community, I think mm -hmm. it's much more. And I think all we have to do is look at the new Whitney. And mm -hmm. when you look at the demographics of who they're showing, 10% are African-American finally. I mean, mm -hmm. after all these years, you know, where Latino, there was like, it was like 2% Latino. Mm -hmm. In a city like New York, showing the American art, you know, like history, like with that kind of stuff. And, you know, and there's like one Native American who, by the way, is not even accepted by tribes. And all this, <laughs> like, it's just, we found out later, it was like the most complicated history of an, uh, Native American I've ever um, encountered in terms of, but it's like, we're talking about like, this is an example of like, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I actually think the African-American community is starting to, in different parts of the, uh, of the country, really sort of assert their power. Mm -hmm. and assert their visions and yeah. assert mm -hmm. all these things. And I think that's slowly like happening. Too, you know, right? and I think the Studio Museum in New York was an exact, the perfect example mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the Brooklyn Museum has mm -hmm. been, you know, I mm -hmm. mean, Brooklyn Museum has been asserting a vision mm -hmm. that a lot of people, and I don't think it's a coincidence There's that a lot of people... Too. Sorry? Mokata. Yes, Mokata. Great example. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, I think there, it's not a coincidence that a lot of people in this sort of like 1% art world often disparage the Brooklyn Museum a little bit. And I think it's because it's a different vision. The Brooklyn you Museum. Know? Yeah, absolutely. There's been a lot of like, you know, they, you know, they use all those terms. Oh, they're being populist. Uh, or they're being, the, you know, and those are all code words. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like right. sometimes in that context, right. you, know, right. you know, they're doing that show. Oh, but it's not art historical. Yeah, see, <laughs> see, I have, that's the problem I have with the art world. That's what makes me angry personally is when I hear that kind of stuff, all those euphemisms, because that's mm -hmm. the kind of shit that keeps all this stuff underground. It's much better. That's what I liked about what you guys did. You had a direct conversation. I mean, that's what we're trying, that's what I'm trying to, that's what we're doing here, hopefully, having a direct conversation and saying like, this is the way people are. It's not a good thing or a bad thing, and it's not a personal thing. Dr. Lisa, do you mind if I ask Christopher and Anthony questions? Uh, no, I would love you to. So I, I was curious for both of you, like before the conversation started, what were your assumptions about each other? And then, after the conversation happened, what were the surprises? Conversation in person or conversation Both. online? Both. Uh, I, you, you go first. Um, well, I assume that you were angry. Yeah. <laughs> and. Um, this is so group. Yeah. I assume that you probably have a list of demands for you not to be angry anymore. Mm. Hmm. And. Um, that was probably why I approached the way it is. It was like, okay, what is it? Let's do it. Like, go. You win. Mm -hmm. um, and after, um, oh, I assume that you were tough. And you um, don't think I'm tough, <laughs> <laughs> bitch? I think you're. I think bitch, you're, I am tough as fuck. If you met me, um, I think that you are. Bingo. No, I want to be really careful and really clear, and be yeah, careful because I'm about to like, like, um. I expected us to be different. Okay. And what I found was like well, that we're totally the same person. Okay. And so like mm. I felt this sort of like big brotherly, like uh, mentorial yeah. kind of thing. Like mm. my goal for Aww. you. So like there are artists that like I, you know, you know, so I'm opening a gallery and there are artists that I'm like, okay, I'm gonna show this woman and mm -hmm. if I pay my rent, amazing. And if I don't pay my rent, I don't mm. even care. It's worth it. This mm -hmm. woman is what I want. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you have that same exact sensitivity and sort of like pride. Like I watch your like chest and your head well up. Mm -hmm. Like I want you to do what I'm doing with your people. Mm -hmm. And I like, like you know this, you are this, mm -hmm. you have this power. And like, so that was what I learned. Like I wanted to like give anything that I knew in terms of how mm -hmm. to you because I want you to do it. Right. How about you, Anthony? Yeah. How about you? Um, what were your assumptions? 
So prior to our online conversation, I I I didn't know I didn't know what to expect because I, I kind of had this generic idea of like yet another like white run business that's kind of like exploiting the name for cultural capital. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I assumed. And then we spoke online, and then before we met in person, um, I assumed I was I assumed that Chris. Oh, sorry, was that a sign? No, that was no. I wasn't making a sign. I was trying to f get a bug out of my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect I timing, waved girl. my hand. Perfect timing, girl. Um, so before uh, before we met in person, I thought that the person that I would meet um, would be really defensive. That's the word that I thought. I thought the person would be really defensive, and that mostly comes from a background of just like when, as a as a man of color, when I speak to most white people about being white, like the white tears, like I just I have no space for coddling any more white coddling about the realness of the history of whiteness and that and everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I I was definitely like, oh, he's gonna be so defensive. I'm gonna have to coddle him, but I promise not to coddle him because I won't do that anymore. And then we met up, and it was so fucking chill. It was like. The way that we were, it was like we spoke the same language, like the way that we were coming at each other and calling each other out and giving each other shade, but with love. Like it, it was cute. Um, hmm, that's that sounds nice, that. right? Yeah. That's like uh, what happens in group therapy, you know? Because mm -hmm. if you really start getting telling somebody how angry you are and d going through that with them and sticking with it, you wind up being closer. Mm -hmm. They wind up, and that's what it seems like happened here, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we only have uh, five minutes left. Should oh. we go through how? How are you feeling, Craig? I'm feeling kind of calm. Right. Yeah, I'm kind, of, kind of feeling calm and feeling very warm. You are. Yeah, yeah. Do I you kind of like these guys now? I do. What do you I think? Have, yeah, I yeah. do. But I, I knew that when I first met them. I mean, I, I corresponded with Christopher before, so I right. kind of got a sense. But um, yeah, have you I met mean, a lot of guys like Anthony? Yeah, I mean, when I lived in the neighborhood, I did a lot more. I mean, mm -hmm. now I live in Williamsburg, which mm -hmm. is clearly a different neighborhood mm -hmm. um, than it was. Mm -hmm. um, I did, and uh, you know, and I, and uh, yes, but I, I will say that there was, um, and we were talking about like phases of gentrification or was some, and I, and I will say that I was just thinking about it when you asked me if I felt the neighborhood was ever unsafe when I lived mm -hmm. here. I'll tell you, it started feeling unsafe in two thousand six. Interesting. That's when it started feeling unsafe for whatever reason. And I think it's partly because there started to be a sense that the neighborhood was changing forever in mm -hmm. a way that some people didn't like. That was the year and that so I got gentrified out of the community. There we are. Gentrified out of the community See? twice. So it's like, so I think it's like 2006. Like in 2000, I didn't feel mm. it the same way, even with the crack house on the corner. It wasn't. Yeah. But in 2006, you felt it. Mm. Do you know? You felt that this neighborhood changing and it felt kind of unsafe. That's the year I started getting mugged. I mm. never got mugged you before got that. Mugged? Oh, yeah, I'm I never sorry. got mugged before that. You know, and it's like oh, all of a sudden wow. that was the time where because it's like things started like brewing and there was anger in the community and no one knew how to deal with it and no one wanted to talk about it. I'm so glad you mentioned that. That's you a know? really important time period because like yeah, when it was, it's funny when people talk about we use the word dangerous and all this bullshit. I'm like, dude, like there were like I grew up in Brownsville. I grew up in like Southside Jamaica, Queens. So like I know what it and and I'm like a, a small framed, light skinned Latino who's gay and before I looked gayer because I had a less masculine passing body. And what I'm saying is that like I never felt I wish I saw that. Yeah. Growing yeah. up at all. Hmm. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, and those years that you're talking about I can't account for them because I wasn't here. Right. Hmm. 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 Interesting. Interesting. I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, just taking it all in. Right. I'm still yeah, having curly hair in the... <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, every, yeah, we've got a lot of curly hair in here. And no... Oh, I was going to say, I'm the only Jew. And we have all this curly hair, but I just had my hair done a couple days ago, you know, so it... It, it looks, looks good. It looks good, doesn't it? It's not very, it's not very curly. Um, so, uh, anyway, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really appreciative of you guys here. I didn't realize, how, I like, this is the hottest it's ever been in here. Oof. And um, it was an interesting discussion. I think I'm going to have to really, I feel really like um, a lot of issues I'm going to be thinking about. Um, and there's one more thing that I, you know, I, I, we had talked a little bit about this on the phone the other day, Anthony. But, you know, there's a lot of times, like, when I moved into the neighborhood where I would like to go into, like, a bar of local people. Mm -hmm. They look like a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Does that sound sure. whatever it sounds? And I feel like, I feel like, you know, like I was with my friend Margo once and I was like, that looks like it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. It was a yeah. place. And I'm like, let's go in there. And she's like, no, we can't go in there. Mm -hmm. 
So, Anthony, what would happen, do you think, if we... Do you guys ever feel like that, first can, of all? Can I tell you a real story? Yes, also, please. In around 2002, it was... Uh, actually, it was probably about 2001. I actually got refused service mm. at a place on Knickerbocker mm. that stopped, refu- stopped serving me for some reason that we've never found out why. Because you're a white guy. No, I, no did, idea. But were you... No did idea. you stand out in there? Were you, like, not... I was the, probably the only one not speaking Spanish. Okay. That was probably the, the sort of, like, the thing... Did you, f- um, you know, so, you know, it, but it didn't, uh, you know, and that that's an example of like a community, like a place I used to go to a lot mm-hmm. and I just stopped going to for whatever reason. And you know it could have been because I was gay. It could have been a lot of things. Yeah. Did and you, I don't know. Did it feel hostile or was it? I mean, it, it was didn't feel under- hostile, but it was just clearly they were not serving me. Like they just mm. refused to acknowledge me or serve That's me. That's so weird. I, I can't imagine that. Yeah. I can't imagine so that. I'm, I mean, I would say keep trying, to be honest. Like, even if you try to make interactions and you get animosity, just keep trying because imagine living in mm-hmm. this country as a person mm-hmm. of color. All I gotta mm-hmm. say is, homie, welcome to the club. With all love, welcome to the club. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I was. Um, okay, I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to, to cut you off because yeah. we're ending and we have to do station ID. And I just wanna say thank you guys so much. I love you all for being mm-hmm. here, all three of you. I've enjoyed this time with you so much. It's been really great. And thank you for to Radio Free Brooklyn on the internet and our sponsor, uh, Paul Mitchell Hair Care, which sells, they make shampoo and conditioner. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'm going to sign off here. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Christopher. Thank and you. thank you, Anthony. And it, I'm going to post a picture of these guys. And if you see them, make sure you see Dr. Lisa gets a shit. Dr. Lisa gives a shit Dr. Lisa gives a shit about